Hey everybody, Chris here. Just a, a note before we get started. This episode is uh, it's a heavy one for us here and and hopefully honestly for a lot of you. Um, Nate and I recorded this episode a couple of days ago and a lot of events have taken place since then and I just want to give you a sense of the timeline of those things so that you understand where this fits. Um, Nate and I recorded this interview after I thought Daniel wasn't going to make a public statement. He had let me know he wasn't interested, and we went forward with this. Um, Pretty much as soon as we were finished recording this episode, Daniel called me, and we had a long conversation in which Daniel agreed to sit down and, and record a conversation between the two of us. Um, after a couple of days, Daniel reflected on that and, and called me back and backed out of that podcast. And, and ultimately I think maybe that's in his best interest. And I mean, of course it is in his best interest. He, he has spent some time learning about the situation. Um, I'm in no way condoning what he did. Um, but he has spent some time learning, at least enough to know that he was woefully unprepared to have this conversation with me. So Daniel and I talked for quite a long time today on the phone. By the time you hear this, it'll be yesterday on the phone. And and I feel pretty satisfied that him making a statement is a good first step. I'm not satisfied that that's the end of this, and I think that Daniel will have to hold himself accountable. We will have to hold him accountable for continuing the learning that he's doing, for continuing the work that he's promising to do. And at the same time, we need to hold ourselves and our climbing community members accountable as well. And ultimately, that's what this podcast episode is about. It's about the fact that 28,000 of us heard Chad Greedy and Daniel Woods use the N-word on a video on YouTube, and nobody said a word. And there's a big problem with that. Not to mention, by backing out of this because he was afraid or knew that he would look a little foolish because he hadn't spent much time learning about this is the kind of response that we've normalized. And and what I would much rather see happen is normalizing the idea that we can have tough conversations, that we can learn through a conversation, that we can stumble through, that we can make mistakes, and we can come out on the other end better more educated, more enlightened people. Um, And this is a step backwards for that, in my opinion. But, like I said, this is a starting point. With that said, and with an apology that for the first two minutes of this interview, I had my gain really, really loud, so you're going to hear a bunch of clipping... Let's get into it. Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 this
Um, you ready to just jump into this? Uh, yeah, as ready as I'm going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. And, you know, I, I sort of want to start by just saying I've started or we have started 150 plus of these episodes the same way and finished them the same way. And today I'm not going to do that because whenever I'm doing those intros or those those outros, I sort of feel like it takes on a celebratory tone or something. And, and that's not the tone of this conversation at all. Um, and, and while this, the tone of this is a little more somber, I think it's a conversation that absolutely has to happen. Um, and we've been sort of struggling with this the last few days. I know I have been, I know, you know, your, Mm -hmm. your messages sort of say the same thing. Um, and and before we even jump into that, I just want to, I want to say, because I don't think I have said this and I certainly haven't said it publicly, but I am, I'm really proud of this team for jumping into this movement the way they have. And you and I, even though we've had a lot of deep discussions about things, we've never really discussed race um, Mm -hmm. in a deep way. Um, so f- watching from over here, I'm really proud of the way you've jumped in and have really taken it upon yourself to to learn more about it. So thanks for that. Well, thank you. Um, I've still got my gain way up, so I'm going to turn that down now. <laughs> <laughs> the, the beginning of that's going to be annoyingly loud to people. Um, <laughs> so the whole point of this conversation is that you know, to point out the, the way that we as white people, as white climbers are not only complicit in, but also uphold the white supremacy and the racism in the climbing industry, uh, point out some of the ways I'm sure there are hundreds of ways I haven't even recognized yet. And hopefully someday I will. Um, but we were, it was pointed out to us in a way that I didn't expect. Um, you pointed out that there was a video online, a Chad Greedy video mm-hmm. of Daniel Woods working on the game. And in this video had been up for nine years. And in the video, they're listening to Wu-Tang and the lyrics are shame on that N-word. And Chad repeats it back and then Daniel repeats it to Chad. And it's a group of white dudes and nobody flinches. Like it just seems very casual. Mm -hmm. And then they just go on with the video. And my reaction to that now was anger. And like initially I was like, let's, let's burn them down, you know, (laughs) but, but then when you start looking at it and the video was out for nine years and had almost 28,000 views and only one comment out of all the comments mentioned that they used that word, it started becoming really apparent that a lot of us just 
acted like it was casual and normal the same way that the people in the video did. And while I had never seen the video, I can't say for certain that I would have reacted any differently back then. I would have, you know, I certainly would have noticed it and been surprised by it, but would I have said anything about it? I don't really know. You know, I, I can't say for certain that I would have, um, if this movement wasn't going on right now. And that bothers me a little bit, but it also highlights to me that, that this is a, a learning moment for all of climbing. And, and I think it needs to be brought out into the open. Um, your thoughts, we've only talked about this via text up until yeah. now. So, so I'd love to just hear your experience with the whole beginning of this. Yeah. Um, you know, something I w- I've been thinking about is the creation of this video. So, you know, anytime you create a video, you shoot a lot of footage. And from that, you have all this raw footage to choose what goes into something. Um, so if you're going to cut it down to five minutes, you decide what five minutes is going to tell the story that I want to tell. And they felt like, and it's two things. They felt, one, that this was the story that they wanted to tell. Yeah. Um, and this man, like, seeing the video, it's not like they're just singing along with this. Like, it's full stop of song and then, like, them saying it really hard. Like, and, yeah, like, it was like a punch to the gut watching it. Do but, you think it would have been as much a punch of to the gut if you had watched it nine years ago when it came out? Well, and that's one of the things I honestly like. It would have affected me. I would have been like, ah, fucking idiots, man. Like, but I wouldn't have had the visceral reaction that I have now. Like, I immediately saw that and I was just like, man, I, I was fuming. Yeah. Um, and the other thing about them put like deciding to put this into a video saying, hey, this is a story they, we want to tell. The other side of that is they knew they could put that out and the community would be okay with it. Yeah. And that's like, I mean, I think that's kind of like equally big of an issue, if not bigger, is that, yes, this is awful, but the fact that it took 10 years for any of us to say anything about it, like, that's problematic. Yeah, and... You know, I, in my messages to Daniel and we'll, you know, we'll get into those in a little bit, but I pointed out that this is, this is 100% part of the reason why black climbers don't feel welcomed, why they, why showing up at the crag, you know, uh, I've heard all sorts of white people say, yeah, but it's the outdoors are free. They're colorblind. You can, you can come climbing and nobody's going to be racist to you. But, the rocks don't care what color you are, things yeah, like that. But white climbers apparently don't police themselves very well. We we have definitely not done a good job of policing ourselves. And it's something we absolutely have to do. And, you know, I'm not interested in like calling out Daniel necessarily. And and we struggled with that. Like we we initially treated this whole thing like it was this secret thing. I emailed 
the sponsors that Daniel and I have in common. And I had a conversation with the Petzl athlete manager because we're friends. And then it occurred to me, why am I treating this like it's some secretive thing? They put it on YouTube. They made it okay for 28,000 people to watch. 28,000 people who probably found that video because it had Daniel Wood's name attached to it. And, and Daniel has to take on that responsibility. Um, mm-hmm. And we, as white climbers, as part of this community, you and I having voices in this community have to take on part of that responsibility of it not being called out immediately. Yeah. It's such a, this is going to get messy. This conversation is going to get messy. <laughs> and and I think it should. And I think we have to sit in that messiness and, you know, no matter how uncomfortable it gets, and I'm uncomfortable right now, I'm, you know, my face is hot. I'm like <laughs> trying to, <laughs> trying to calm myself down and trying to be intelligent in my response and trying to be tactful in my response. But I'm also at the same time calling myself out for this, for being complicit in this kind of bullshit. Yeah. It's... So I think maybe the best play here is to kind of walk people through how this all transpired and and talk about the the ways Daniel and and we were making mistakes through this whole process because lots of people are going through this process right now of trying to reconcile their own inherent racism with their idea that they're some woke person. Yeah. So, you know, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, um, and it may seem odd to some people that, you know, this is two white guys talking about this. Um, but I think it's important to point out, like, this is a white person problem. Like we are the ones we have, like, we have to get a hold of this. Like, this isn't something that we can just say, oh, like, black people are dealing with this and, you know, we should empathize with them but stand on the sidelines. Like, no, when we see things like this happen with other people and with ourselves and just, you know, the white climbing community as a whole, like, it is our job to step in. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that doesn't mean that as a white person, you have to feel guilty. I mean, I, I do think that's part of the process. Like we're all going to feel some of that guilt, but we have to fucking get through that and realize that while we may not have consciously created the systems that, that uphold the suppression, we are benefiting from it and we are complicit in it. And, the more we can begin to recognize that and work toward dismantling it, the better. And I think if you sit in your guilt, if you're just, if you're defensive of your guilt or you just are feeling guilty, that's a protective mechanism. That's saying, I don't want to move forward. I don't want to go any further with this because why should I subject myself to more guilt? Mm -hmm. You know, so so this is a white person problem. We are the the racists in the room. We need to 
be having conversations amongst ourselves and you're and we're going to get it wrong you're going to get it wrong i'm going to get it wrong and we just have to recognize that and keep going um and i think ultimately that's what this is this was a case where this thing was pointed out we weren't sure how to handle it we did our best we've backtracked we've changed our mind we've had conversations that were problematic and and this is our next step in it and this may not be the final step this can't be the final step not for not for all parties involved maybe not for us um this is just a stepping stone into hopefully something that becomes more productive for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. So how did you find the video? Like, is it something you saw recently and just had in mind or what was the case there? Uh, I was actually looking for a different video and then was kind of scrolling through and saw this and I was like, Oh, I had didn't recognize it. And I was like, that's weird. That's a time when like, <clears throat> I was like, I thought I had seen all videos of this boulder. Um, right. And then clicked on it. And that's just kind of how I came across it. Yeah. And you pointed it out to us, to mm-hmm. the power company coaches via our Slack channel. And we all started talking about it. Blake is very, involved right now in this movement and and really fired up and and I've been really fired up and Paul's been you know we've all been involved and in, in doing our best to stay involved and this definitely kind of punched us all in the face yeah um so like I said before the initial reaction was let's just fucking burn Daniel down you know <laughs> And, and that was the wrong reaction. Um, so we very quickly decided that isn't what we should do. And, and I, somewhat in a knee-jerk reaction, sent emails to Evolve and to Friction Labs saying, I, someone showed me this video. This video is not okay. You need to talk to Daniel about this. Um, and Friction Labs and Evolve were both in agreement that this needed to be discussed with Daniel and the video needed to disappear. And then that began to not sit well with me because I thought the video can't just disappear. And I don't remember whether someone said that to me, whether that idea came about, whether it was a collective thing, but the video can't just disappear and this be silent we can't just be okay with the fact that we delete the video and move on because 28,000 people saw the video. And for some reason, 28,000 people never spoke up Mm -hmm. and that needs to be highlighted. So I sent another email saying, okay, it's not, it's not going to be okay with me if this video just disappears and there's no statement. I think Daniel needs to own up. He needs to make a public statement and and get ahead of it is how I phrased it. And, and then that started sitting uneasy <laughs> with me. Like, is it okay to give him a heads up to say 
get ahead of it. And, and shortly after Daniel contacted me and, and essentially just wanted to know what my motive for sending it was. Um, and I'm going to pull up the DMS here just so I can make sure I'm not getting anything wrong. Um, and he sent a very nice message and just saying, um, you know, he had forgotten about the video. The words were offensive. He is sorry that he used them. But then he goes on to say, we were just jamming to Wu-Tang. Our intentions were not to directly discriminate. I want you to understand I'm not a racist. I love humans of all races. Sorry if this offended you. And immediately I got defensive of that because he's saying, oh, I was just listening to Wu-Tang and, and I said these words because Wu-Tang said them. And I'm like, you can't blame, you can't blame RZA for this. You know, you don't, <laughs> you don't get that right to do that. And in my response, I say that I, I want it to be a teachable moment. And I'm not interested in slandering you or I would have just posted it. And honestly, I don't think it should be slander at all. And I'm, I'm a little befuddled as to why my brain went there because it wouldn't be me slandering Daniel. It's this video was out there. It was public. It was on YouTube and 28,000 people had seen it. I'm not calling anybody out by pointing this out. If anything, Chad was calling Chad and Daniel out by posting this video. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not sure how or when or why I started treating this as something secretive that needed to be dealt with behind the scenes first, but I did. And, and I say to him, you know, with nearly 28,000 views, this should be dealt with openly. It's a hundred part of the hundred percent part of the reason why black climbers say they don't feel welcomed. And, and he says, that makes sense video has been deleted and I said what's your plan from here you're one of the best athletes climbing a scene could be a powerful moment and this is when it my blood started to boil a little bit <laughs> a little bit more uh, I guess and, yours and mine both <laughs> is that he said the video has been deleted nobody's contacted me about this I support Black Lives Matter and, and Daniel has posted on his platform about it and he's not been afraid to show support, which I appreciate. And he and Mello have been making donations, which are great. Um, but he said, what I do from here is continue climbing and accepting everyone. I love black culture and I'm heavy into their music. I have friends that are black and of other races and I show them love and friendship. To be honest, I'm not an activist. I'm an outdoor climber. I know my morals and my stance with black people. And all I can do is be friendly, accepting, genuine person. And that's when I was like, wow, did he read the, like, how to pretend I'm not a racist handbook? What the hell is this response? And and I, I immediately went back to my let's burn him down place. But... <laughs> 
But then I thought back to when I was 20, 21 years old, which is how old Daniel would have been in this video. And, and it occurred to me, you know, I've, and I've said this before, I think on the podcast that in my music in the past, I've used words that I certainly wouldn't use now and that I feel ashamed of using. And I would have defended myself the same way saying, I'm not homophobic. It's okay if I use this word. You know, it's, it's not okay if I use the word, but I did. And it's because it was accepted at the time. And, and I would have put the blame on anybody but myself. So I understand the response, but I don't accept the response. Um, I think that is just an indication that Daniel has not been paying attention to what's going on in this and, and hasn't learned, hasn't understood that just because you listen to black music, you love black culture, you have black friends, that in no way means you're not racist. And it certainly in no way gives you a pass to do racist things. Um, mm -hmm especially to, to use that word out in the open and post it on YouTube where 28,000 kids might see it and think that it's okay to do. What was, because I'm just talking and rambling and I need you to save me from myself for a minute, <laughs> what, was, what was your response when I sent those screenshots over? Um, or... It, what is your thought now on it, whichever? It, uh, I mean, it kind of just feels a little tone deaf. Like it reminds me of this idea of, um, uh, you know, a lot of climbers, a lot of white climbers just don't see this as like a climbing issue. Um, you know, I've got kind of a, uh, I've got a story from last year when I was in Colorado, um, that I feel like kind of highlights it. So I was out in a bar hanging out, uh, with some friends, met someone new. We start chatting and he asked me where I'm from. And I was like, Oh, well, I lived in Chattanooga for the last 10 years. And he was like, Oh man, that's cool. You know, I, uh, I've always liked the South. I would have, you know, I'd like to move there, but, uh, it just seemed like there was too much racism. And so, uh, that's why I moved here to Boulder. Hmm. And, you know, I like pause, I'm kind of waiting for him to laugh at his own joke, you know, one of those awkward moments. And, you know, I'm like looking around, there's maybe 60 people in this bar, all of us white. Yeah. And in my head, I'm just like, man, you didn't like, you didn't get away from racism. You just got away from race. And from like, racism being pointed out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I feel like that's how a lot of climbers kind of view the situation. Yeah. So in this, you know, in our messages, I, I go on to say, and I'll just read what I wrote here. Um, the last in the series of messages was, we all make mistakes. That's factual. I'm not going to suggest what you should do from here, but the fact that it felt okay to use the word in a group of people with a camera rolling is part of the problem. To then have 27,000 plus people watch it, 
people who likely found it searching your name and being influenced by you is essentially the same as telling them it's okay to do. Professional athletes need to hold a higher standard. And and I, I mean, at first off, I think that all of us need to hold a higher standard, uh, myself mm-hmm. included, you included, this company, Absolutely. all the people that we're associated with need to be holding a higher standard. Um, but I think that we have done our professional athletes a disservice by not holding them to a higher standard. And, and I think that has to end. Um, when I was talking with the Petzl athlete manager today, he very much was in agreement that, that Petzl has not done a good job. No companies have done a good job of making sure that their athletes are held to a higher standard and Mm -hmm. that, that we've essentially made it okay for them to get away with whatever they want by pulling on little holds, climbing hard boulders or hard roots. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, one of the things that's attractive about Daniel to a lot of people, and it's, and frankly, it's one of the things I do admire to some degree is this fuck it attitude. Like, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to be unapologetically me. But I think you have to draw lines. We all do, whether we like it or not. We all draw lines and we should. And I don't think Daniel has clearly defined his lines yet. I think most of our professional athletes have not clearly defined their lines. And frankly, I hadn't, and I'm trying to now. Um, I do believe that we all need to be anti-racist, not just an ally. You know, my, Mm -hmm. my friend, Justin Forrest Parks here in town, and I have sat down and had some conversations. And one of the things he posted uh, on his Instagram is, is this definition or this, this contrast between being an ally and being an accomplice. And, and I want to be an accomplice. I want to be somebody who isn't afraid to put themselves in harm's way to make sure that the right thing is done. Um, and I think the more accomplices we can get, the better off we are. And I'm, again, I'm not going to say Daniel has to be an accomplice or any pro climber has to be an accomplice, but they, they can't avoid what's going on. They, they don't get a pass. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) And you know, it's. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's important to recognize like everyone's done wrong. Like it's not a matter of let's, you know, let's play the blame game for what we've done in the past as much as, Hey, let's grow. Let's move forward. Step one is admitting like there's a problem. And when people can like bring up, I mean, cause man, this isn't a new issue. Like, this isn't just like, oh, here in 2020, uh, suddenly race is a problem. It's like, no, and definitely not in climbing. Like, this has been brought brought up over and over for so long. You know, just like, yeah, it's important to recognize that it shouldn't have taken us until 2020 to have these kinds of conversations. 
But now that we're here, you know, it's important that we recognize, like, yeah, a lot of us fuck up. We'll continue fucking up. We have to just, you know, accept it and keep moving forward and doing better. Yeah. Like, do our best not to be defensive. Um, And yeah, I mean, you said it earlier, like, there are a lot of things that, I mean, right now, most of us won't even realize that we're doing these things that hopefully with growth, we'll suddenly, we'll realize, oh, like, that's something I was doing that was hurtful. I'm going to change, like, because I recognize that's important. Yeah. And, you know, I, I had this great conversation with uh, Genevieve Walker the other day in 10 sleep. I drove over to talk to her and, and that'll be coming out in the next day or two. Um, and we talked a lot about kindness or being nice or loving other people. And, and so many people view that as like being passive or something. And, and I don't think that's what it is at all. I think because I love you, because I love other people, it's my job to hold you accountable, to hold those other people accountable and to point out Hmm. when you're fucking up, you know, it's what I do with clients. It's what I did in my book. And it's, and I think it's an act of kindness pointing out, Hey, you're fucking up right now. Here's how you could do this better. Maybe explore that. Yeah. You know, and that's one of those things like hearing it from people who care about you. That's, I mean, that's the best way. Like if you were to reach out to me and be like, Hey Nate, like you're fucking up here. You can do better because I know you care about me. Like I'm like, Oh man, like I have to take this seriously. Yeah. And, and I, and because of that, I, I want to reiterate here, this is not some witch hunt for Daniel and Chad. Um, no. You know, there. It, this video was posted nine years ago. They've had a lot of opportunities to grow and to change, and I hope that they have, and I hope they realize their mistakes, and I hope they can, you know, especially Daniel, I hope can use his platform to show his growth uh, in real time as he's having it. I think that's one of the benefits of social media and that we get to watch our heroes, our idols, our, our role models learn and grow in real time, both in their sport and in life in general. And, and Daniel has that opportunity. And, and I hope that anyone listening to this doesn't take this and, put it out there as a as some damning thing toward Daniel because because I do think he he gets to grow he gets to change his opinions you know I just saw this this post on Facebook um, of a guy who had this huge swastika tattooed on his chest and, and maybe he's a climber because lots of my climber friends had commented and and liked the the post i don't know who he is but i appreciated the post he had gone to a tattoo artist that he found out was covering up racist tattoos for free and or for a donation to black lives matter and and he had this tattoo covered the swastika and he posted photos of it being covered and 
and when he's taking this final photo of it covered up, you can tell that he's about to cry from because he's so happy to have this thing covered up. And in his post, he's apologizing for the mistakes he made. And that takes some, takes some bravery to put that out there. And, and I would, you know, I would like to challenge Daniel to, to be brave in this. You know, he, he wrote to me that he's not an activist and, that's fine to think you're not you're not someone who needs to, you know, constantly lead people in that way, but you are an example. You do set an example. And as a climber, as somebody who loves the climbing community and as somebody who loves the hip hop community, I'm not going to let you be blameless in this. And and I'm going to have to hold you accountable because I respect what you've done as a climber. And I, and I care about this community. So I have to hold Daniel accountable to this in some way. And I hope that he, you know, I hope that he accepts that. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, we all have room for growth and, I think the best thing that could happen is, uh, you know, coming to terms with that and yeah. growing from this. Yeah. And, you know, I want all of us to step back and, and think about that. We've, we've all, every single one of us has done something that if we looked at it critically is going to make a black climber uncomfortable at the crag. Um, we've done things that uphold this system of racism just, just by existing in the way that we do in our whiteness is a part of the problem. And like I said, that doesn't mean you have to feel guilty about it. It just means we have to try our best to dismantle those systems and be willing to, to take a hit to whatever benefits it is that it is that you get from your whiteness and there are a lot of them um and i'm still learning i'm you know who knows i don't know where the finish line on this is there is no finish line so yeah we just we just keep going with it we just keep doing our best but that has to include talking about it dealing with it holding each other accountable and in my opinion it has to include being as absolutely anti-racist as you can possibly be. Yeah. This whole thing kind of made me angry at, at the climbing community in general. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I've said this to several people recently, my default is destruction, not construction. And and that partly, I think, comes from my own defensiveness. It also comes from being involved in the like hip hop battle world. It it comes from a lot of places, but as somebody who does have a voice in this community, 
I can't use my voice that way. I have to, I have to be an example. I have to, to be a role model to the people who want to use me as such. So I'm trying really hard to do that. Yeah, no, I, that's, I think that's important. (sighs) Man, I'm, (laughs) this is a, like I said, it's messy. It's a struggle. Um, I think I'm going to be examining for, for a while what it is that led me to initially deal with this as if it was some secretive thing. Mm-hmm. Because I think these conversations need to be normalized. We need to get better at not feeling so uncomfortable having this kind of conversation. Yeah. You know, and I think that starts with having a more like it. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, that's why I had sent it to y'all when I found it, because I was like, hey, like this is we need to have a conversation about this like this, you know this isn't something that can just like keep sitting around. Um, you know, it's our jobs. Like, yeah, it's our jobs. If we're going to be anti-racist, like to call these things out and bring them to attention and, you know, help other people grow and develop from them. And the thing is, it's like, you know, I think these conversations are hard to have because, you know, in our communities, especially like there's still kind of new conversations. A lot of people are going to get defensive. They're going to, you know, say like, oh, I'm a nice person. Like this can't be me. Um, you know, and until it becomes a normal thing to evaluate your own biases, your own, you know, these things that we grew up with and without even realizing and without being able to step back with grace and say, Hey, like I may not have intentionally been doing this, but I was doing it regardless. And that's a problem. And that's something I need to change, you know, until we can get to the point to where we can comfortably say that, like, it's going to be tough. Like, so we just have to keep having these conversations. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I think the best way forward for many of us is to have a team around you who can have these conversations and, and try to be very diligent, vigilant at not allowing yourself to just get comfortable. Um, this isn't the kind of thing where you have the conversation and then you're comfortable with it and then it's good. Um, in our team, we have people with differing opinions on how to handle this. And, and we're all just, you know, it's not like we're, oh, you shouldn't point this out at all. There's none of that. It's more like we're all trying to come up with the best way to handle it. And we have, we have different thoughts and different opinions. And the thing that would scare me the most or should scare me the most is if we ever got to a place where we're all like, yeah, that's comfortable. That's, Mm -hmm. that's the way to do it. It should be this, oh man, I don't know if this is right. I don't know if this is the way to go, but I do feel like I have to do this Yeah, and, and to act on that. Um, you know, the same way we do with 
climbing, when we're facing our fears, facing our insecurities, our discomfort, and we know that's going to make us a better climber, I think we have to do the same. Same thing now. Yeah. You know, it's if you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. And that's true in every aspect of life. Yep. Well, if we don't stop now, I'm just going to keep rambling um, <laughs> and, you know, talking through my own, you know, turning this thing over and over in my head, trying to understand it. Um, so instead, I think we, we wrap this thing up and we continue the conversation another time. And I, I said this to Petzl and I'm in no way saying that Daniel needs to come on the podcast or something like that. But if, if Daniel happens to be listening to this, if you're listening, Daniel, and you want to talk it over on the podcast, I'd be happy to have this conversation. I would also be just as happy if you're having this conversation in private um, with your people, with your sponsors. Um, and I'd love to hear what, what comes of it. Cause I think it can be a really good and really powerful thing. Yeah. All right. Like I said, I'm not wrapping this thing up in the same way. Uh, I'm saving that for the, for the joyful tones. So I will, uh, I'll talk to you guys later.